Conte Florenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che Go! 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 il magnifico, il magnifico, il magnifico rettore! Live! Entertainment capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but! Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! 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 Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro Iniesta! The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us on this Tuesday. You know what that means. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's awful. Downright dreadful. Terrible Tuesday. Well, not us. Just our thoughts. That's right. Our day to vent the frustrations. A terrible Tuesday edition. Guest today, B.J. Armstrong joins us, the three-time NBA champ with the Chicago Bulls back in the day. Also, B.J. Armstrong, the broadcasting career on ESPN. So BJ joins us today. We talk a little NBA. We'll talk about the All-Star Weekend. We'll talk about the second half, even though we're basically two-thirds of the way into the season, the NBA season. We'll talk to BJ regarding that. And we go across the pond as I go into my mediocre Brit voice. I don't know, is that more British or more Australian? I don't know what it is. You don't like it. Mediocre? Mediocre. Maybe it's good. A lot of people say it's pretty good. I don't know. There she is, there he is, there he goes. Uh, just don't get me in my go, 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 go voice. You know, then I really cross over and I go across a couple other borders. Paul Buck Power Stewart joins us, our favorite Brit broadcaster. Blimey. That's right. Paul Stewart joins us a little bit later this hour, so hang tight for that. But yes, plenty of terrible Tuesday takes as well as though. We get it on for you here on the, this Tuesday afternoon. All right, Numchuk on the other side of that proverbial glass, nice and clean today. I appreciate that, my friend. You're keeping things very tidy here. All right, terrible Tuesday. Where do we start? Mm. Let's go right now. Let's go here. It's terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. All right. Well, the Big Ten handed down their punishment, which we talked about uh, quite a bit yesterday regarding the fiasco in Madison, Wisconsin with the uh, Michigan and Wisconsin. Very ugly ending to that game. And uh, we reset it for you where Wisconsin is leading Michigan 76-61, to the game on Sunday. Wisconsin has the ball. 
Now, Gray Guard has went to the bench just within the, the, the final minute of the game here. Reserves are in, and Michigan is pressing. Guard takes time out with 15 seconds left in the game. Michigan fouls Jordan Davis. He makes a, a free throw. He misses one. Uh, Michigan goes down and scores with two seconds left to, to make this, uh, the final score. Um, you know, 77 to 63. So a 14 point victory, but apparently Jawan Howard not happy because Greg Gard of Wisconsin called a timeout with them up by 15 points. So buzzer sounds, easy victory. The traditional college handshake line ensues. And Jawan Howard not going over immediately to shake hands. He's going to get in the line. Interesting finish here. 77. Oh, see, and they're going at it. Oh, Howard and Guard are not happy right now as the two of them continue to have words. We told you Jawan Howard was not happy about that timeout. Yo, and Jawan Howard just threw a right hand. And now we got a scrum. We have a scrum in Madison. Are pushing and shoving. This is an ugly scene. This is an ugly scene. Oh my God. Yes, a totally ugly scene as Javon Howard took a swing at Joe Krabenhoff, the assistant coach at uh, the University of Wisconsin. And uh, it's just when you hear hearing that back, I mean, they think, okay, game's over, handshake lines, fine. And then uh, whoever is operating the audio there at CBS in the truck, I think they could have cut down that music a little bit. Uh, a little bit shorter, a little bit earlier on there. I thought they were going to the break, and or they weren't paying attention to what was going on. Then all of a sudden, it just kind of turned into a little wrestling match, a little boxing match. They already got the music going, and then obviously the director says, hey, cut off the music there. That was a little awkward. But what was even more awkward was the way this whole thing ended. Now, you know, we've seen skirmishes before in handshake lines. We've seen skirmishes before at the end of the games. And yes, we have seen coaches argue with each other. So this is nothing new. It's new in the sense where you actually see a coach basically take a slap at another player or another coach. But this had a lot of similarities to exactly what happened almost a year ago to the date in the Big Ten tournament when Michigan was playing Maryland. And Jawan Howard was not happy with the way Maryland was playing. There was about 10 minutes left to go in the second half, and Michigan was up by 10 points in the Big Ten tournament. And you got to remember, at this point in time last year, there were no fans in the stands at all. It was very, very quiet, and you could hear the arguing that took place during the timeout. And it was Jawan Howard who was the nemesis here. I mean, he was the guy that went after Mark Turgeon at at that point in time, the head coach of of Maryland, and they went at it. It was a real ugly scene. Uh, There were no blows thrown. No one's you know struck anybody, but it was uh, it was a very very ugly scene, and it and it took about four or five minutes to to get this game back underway. Like I said, it took place during a timeout with ten minutes to go in the game, and Michigan was up by ten points. Um, but nothing happened to Juwan Howard after that. Uh, no slap on the wrist. Uh, they addressed it in the post game press conference last year, but uh, no fines, no suspensions. So when this happened, you knew that there was going to be some fines and some suspensions. So, yes, they went through the handshake line, and initially uh, it was Greg Gard who actually grabbed Jawan Howard 
because Juwan Howard initially walked by him. And if you heard the beginning of uh, that call at the end, said Juwan Howard was just going to go straight to the locker room. Then he says, okay, fine, we'll go through the handshake line. And he walked right by guard, and guard grabbed him and said, hey, I just want to explain to you what happened. And paraphrasing here, Juwan Howard then said, I'm going to remember this. And he put took his finger, stuck it in, in guard's face, and he goes, hey, I want to explain to you. And then it just got heated. Then players got involved. Other uh, assistant coaches got involved. And then I don't know if Joe Krabenhoff, the assistant coach for Wisconsin, said something to Howard or what, but then Howard took a swipe with an open hand, and then he pulled back his hand and – and it had the shape of a fist, so I think that's why a lot of people thought it was a cold cock or it was a, a fist uh, initially. But when you go back and you look at the video, you see it was an open hand. But neither here nor there, totally wrong uh, on, on on Jawan Howard's part, no question about it. So we knew that the suspension was going to come down, as we talked about yesterday. So uh, later on yesterday afternoon, the uh, Big Ten had the fine, the suspension, and uh, they handed down the punishment. Juwan Howard suspended for five games. Ironically enough, that basically takes him through the end of the regular season. So Michigan has five regular season games left. He was also fined $40,000. And uh, Greg Gard was also fined $10,000 for his action in this. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, why should Greg Gard be fined? Anytime there's Anyone who's combative, whether you throw a punch or not, usually, and we see this a lot, you know, when with player fights and skirmishes, that sort of thing, all sides are going to get fined. Uh, I, after reviewing the tape and everything, they went back and they decided that Greg Gard probably instigated this to the point where it was like, "Hey, I'm grabbing you," even though we know that Jawan Howard was mad because Gard took the timeout with 15 seconds to go. In guard's uh, response to that was, hey, he goes, I had a lot of my reserves in, had a couple of walk-ons in, and Michigan was starting to press, so I wanted to you know, have my guys better prepared, so I took a timeout at that point in time, made a crack that said Juwan Howard obviously doesn't know the rules because the uh, – the, you know the, the the shot clock is going to reset at that point in time when you call a timeout before the, you get the 10 second call before you get across half court and there you have it there so ugliness ensued in Madison fines down but again another black eye for college basketball and a black eye for the University of Michigan especially considering what happened just you know less than a year ago uh, which we talked about uh, with Jawan Howard and Mark Turgeon in that game during the Big Ten tournament. So should Javon Howard take offense to uh, Greg Gard calling a timeout with the game decided, with Michigan firmly going down, losing this game? Is it rubbing it in? No, it's not. Jawan Howard needs to realize that, you know, and I think Fran Frischella said great last night during uh, the Baylor-Oklahoma State broadcast saying, you know, all coaches have gone through this. You go through humiliation, you go through good times, bad times at the end of the game, but you have to restrain yourself. You've got to control your emotions here. And Juwan Howard obviously has a problem with that. You can see that. Uh, Because, again, this is not the first time. And if you watch any University of Michigan games, he's very animated on the sidelines uh, a lot. And, uh, of course, he was a fiery player, as he was, as as a college player and as a NBA player. But as a head coach, you are held to a higher standard, especially at the university level, where you've got to set an example for 
um, the, the collegiate kids. So, yeah, Juwan Howard was 100% wrong here. But so was Greg Gard. Because neither guy apologized. Neither guy took responsibility for that. If I was Juwan Howard, I would have immediately cooled down, went into the locker room of the Badgers and said, hey, I'm sorry, my bad, my emotions got the best of me, and then this thing would have been squashed. But in the post-game press conference, Juwan Howard just continued to say that, hey, you know, he wasn't happy and it was Greg Gard's fault. And then uh, we also heard Greg Gard uh, try to defend himself. I didn't like the timeout being called, and I'll be totally honest with you. Um, I thought it was uh, you know, not necessary at that moment, uh, especially being a large league. Um, and then for half a timeout um, to be called with three seconds or four seconds to go, um, you know, I thought that that was you know, what I felt wasn't fair to our guys. And so that's, that's what happened. Touching me unnecessary with it wasn't caused for that when we were talking. And at that, at that point, you know, I thought that was you know, time to protect myself. He came up to me and pulled his max, max down and said, I'll remember that. And he started pointing at me and tapped me in the chest. And I said, hold on. Let me explain to you why I took the time out. Maybe he doesn't know the rule that you get the 10 seconds reset. I wasn't going to put my players in that type of situation. All right. So Jawan Howard uh, did make this statement. Uh, earlier today, saying, after taking time to reflect on all that happened, I realize how unacceptable both my actions and words were and how they affected us so many. I am truly sorry. I am offering my sincerest apology to my players and their families, my staff, my family, and the Michigan fans around the world. I would like to personally apologize to Wisconsin assistant coach Joe Krabenhoff and his family, too. Lastly, I speak a lot about being a Michigan man and representing the University of Michigan with class and pride. I do not, I did not do that, nor did I set the right example in the right way for my student athletes. I will learn from my mistake, and this mistake will never happen again. No excuses. The most important thing that Jawan Howard said right there is that it will never happen again. When this clearly has happened before, so now, if it does happen again, you can bet that he will be out of a job. And a lot of people were clamoring for him to lose his job. But that wasn't going to happen. But if it happens again, it definitely could happen. So, does this mean this is the end of the handshake line? Because you know there is pushback right now where people say, well, maybe we should just get rid of the, the, the handshake line and forget that altogether. You know, you know we, 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 we can't conduct ourselves uh, you know, properly. Where's the sportsmanship gone? It's gone, so let's, let's forget this. Well, Tom Izzo fired off about this, the head coach at Michigan State University. And uh, when he was asked, do you think the handshake line should go away? Here was Izzo's response. Media world, which you love, and in the national broadcasting talk shows, there are suggestions, silly as they may be, that we should do away with the handshake line now. Oh, my God. You, have you heard that? Oh, my God, I have. And I do got to comment on that since that's not insulting to anybody. That, to me, would be the biggest farce, joke, ridiculous nature of anything I've ever heard of. We've already taught these poor 18-year-olds that when... when you know, you're told to go to class and you don't like it, you can leave. We've already told these kids, if you're not happy, you can do something else. 
we've already told these kids that it's hard to hold them accountable. And now we're going to tell them to not man up and walk down a line on someone who's kicked your butt and have enough class to shake their hand is utterly ridiculous. So if the president said it, I think he's full of it. If the best coach in America said it, I think that gets me way more than this incident because we're already teaching these kids nothing. And then we're going to do something like that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't like it last year when we're, some people waved, you know. I didn't care if I got COVID. I'm going to go down there and shake the guy's hand. And I'm going to try to shake the player's hand. And I don't know what they do in every sport. But somebody says, well, they don't do that in football. Hell, are you kidding me? There's changing jerseys. I mean, I'm a little bit in the Magic Johnson thing when he said that uh, Pat Riley would say, don't be talking to anybody from the Celtics before the game. But when the series was over, you know, that's when the respect factor came. So the people that are saying that are the same people that don't want to teach players accountability, respect, or anything else. That's Tom Izzo, and he's spot on. Bottom line is, at the end of, the, uh, of a game, a college basketball game, you shake hands, you do that, and again, like we said earlier, there are skirmishes, there are attitudes, there are players that don't want to shake hands, especially when you get beat you know, at the last second by a buzzer bee or whatever it is. I mean, that is tough. But that's what the game is all about. And you can't compare it to the NBA because the NBA, they're professionals, they don't do that. You don't have handshake lines. Players will go in on their own and hug each other, talk, especially players that have you know long-lasting, pre-standing relationships. You get that. But college, it's a simple thing. The same thing in high school. It's done at junior high. It's done at the elementary level. You do that all the way through. You suck it up. Handshake, boom. You go to the locker room. If you want to get upset uh, you know, uh, behind closed doors, that's fine. So, no, you don't have this kind of reaction and say, oh, now we're going to get rid of the handshake line just because one coach takes a swipe at another coach. No, you don't do it again. You get it right. And if it happens again, then you start suspending coaches or get rid of them or fire them and do whatever you do. But you don't change the landscape like we do so much of in our country with all of our sports and everything else. We're such a reactionary society there. But, yeah, good for Tom Rizzo for saying that. But, yes, let the handshake line continue. All right, every day, turn on the TV, turn on the radio. we got to hear Aaron Rodgers' drama. Here's the thing. I like drama. I do. I like, I like drama on television. I like drama on, in the movies, right? But this isn't drama, obviously. <laughs> this is a joke of what we're hearing every day about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron this is not edge-of-your-seat drama. This isn't any of that. You know what this is? This is plain nonsense. This is a non-story every day we have to, to hear. People on television, national shows, local shows, whatever it is, read columns between journalists, television broadcasters, radio broadcasters, whatever, talking about where Aaron Rodgers could be. Why do we have to hear this? Is it because... We're at the end of football season. You got no games to preview. You got nothing else to talk about. You need time filler 
in the million sports stations that we have across the country, whether it's radio or television or in print with sports publications or online. No, it's a joke. This is such a non-story, but people want to make it a story. And this goes back to last year. Aaron Rodgers, well, let's let's hold off with the sports book now and, and make odds because we got a feeling he's going to be with the Denver Broncos. How about that nonsense? We talked about it last year. No, he's not going to the Denver Broncos. He's not playing with any other team except the Green Bay Packers. Said it all last year. And here we go again that we're having to go through this nonsense again where people want to stir something up that has no legs whatsoever. Let's set the table for people, again, who don't understand what the word contract means. Aaron Rodgers still has two years left on his contract. Two more seasons, 2023, 2022, I should say, and 2023. At that point in time, he is an unrestricted free agent. At that point in time, he can decide if he wants to continue playing and negotiate freely with any other team and, of course, be the highest-paid quarterback again, or he can retire. The only thing that Aaron Rodgers can do right now, he can demand a trade like he has with the Packers, like he did last year, and they hold all the cards. They can decide to trade him or not. But like I said last year, the Packers aren't going to trade him because they're not going to be able to get fair value because you put your business out there and you know you got a disgruntled quarterback, so you're gonna you're not going to get what you want in return. Same thing is happening now. All right, Today's the day that franchises can put the franchise tag on players and Devontae Adams is probably going to get franchised by the Packers because he's, he's a big piece that they want to keep. Of course they want to keep Aaron Rodgers because arguably he's, if not the best quarterback, the top two or three quarterbacks in the National Football League. But the bottom line is the reporters that continue to want to stir this story up every day. Where is he going to play? Who are the likely teams? There are none. There are no likely teams because he's a Green Bay Packer until he decides to retire. If he retires, then he retires. But guess who still holds his rights if he decides to come back? The Green Bay Packers. So I just wish that people would understand that before they start putting stories together, programs together, or segments together to, to like, hey, let's create a list on where the Green Bay Packers are, or where Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing next year. It's going to be Green Bay if he decides that he wants to play. So Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show today said this to my teammates, past and current, I love you guys. I cherish the mem- memories we've made. That's a farewell speech. That sound like a farewell speech to you? Then just say you're done. You're going to retire. Shut up. Or don't say anything at all. But of course, this is Aaron Rodgers because he does like the drama by saying basically, hey, you know, we, we've had great memories. Well, sure. Your rosters change every year. No NFL team has the same 53 guys coming back. Heck, you usually don't have 25 guys or 30 guys coming back off your roster. But Aaron Rodgers plays into this because he wants the attention. We know that. But to simulate him wearing a Broncos jersey or what gets me here in Las Vegas, a Raiders jersey, it's insane. It is totally insane. Until that happens, okay, until it happens, then it's a story. 
But why are people talking about it every day because they have nothing else to talk about or they don't understand the contract situation that he has with his current team and his only team, the Green Bay Packers? All right. That would be a cue for the record scratch. Cue. Okay. <laughs> Is that what, is that what it was? Yes. That was I I don't know what you did. I don't know, that was tough. there much better, my friend. There you go. All right. Uh, the Olympic Games are mercifully over. Thank goodness for that. Yes. Uh, the Olympic Games was one of the worst things that we have seen. Seventeen days of the most uninspiring television that we've seen. We had scandal, we had political posturing. It was just horrendous. There was no buzz for these games. It was a hermetically sealed event in an authoritarian country that was sixteen hours ahead of us. And what were the real stories of this game? I mean really nothing that happened on the ice or on the slopes or anything of that nature. No. It was, you know, the fans were not really allowed to watch the games. Media was kept away. This was like watching something that was taking place in a prison, considering the way the situation is in China. The big story was the Russian controversy and why they were allowed to compete is still beyond me. It was a drug-tainted ordeal. You had the figure skater, figure skating disaster with the Russian teenager who had the meltdown. She tested positive, but was allowed to compete in the Olympic Games anyway. So when she couldn't compete anymore, her coaches went off on her, started yelling and screaming at her after her her performance. It was just ugly. I mean, there was nothing good about the Olympic Games. I mean, I'm sure buried somewhere there was, you know, an American that, that got a gold medal, a couple of nice stories there. But for the most part, I mean, what are we remembering? The Russian disaster, the that it was in China, it was in Beijing, that NBC lost all kinds of money on the deal, um, you know, with their sponsorships. And then our best skier, Michaela Schifrin, uh, won absolutely nothing. The image of her sitting on a ski slope wondering what had happened. That's what we remember. Men's hockey, Nothing. Eliminating the quarterfinals, 3-2 to Slovakia. No NHL players playing. No medal for Team USA. Women's hockey took silver, losing to Canada. Okay. But bottom line, no buzz whatsoever. No reason to watch these games. Everything about it was bad, and there was nothing uplifting. And it came and went, really, in a whimper. And a lot of this probably had to do because... We just got done with the summer games of 2020, which took place in the summer of 2021. So six months later, we're having to go through all this again, and the winter games do not have the luster that the summer games have. We know that. But it was not pleasurable to watch, and it was hard to tune in uh, to any of these events. And we talked about it yesterday. Too many events. It's, it's just saturized. It's, it's, it's no good. And from an NBC standpoint... It was horrendous. They had no ratings. It wasn't good for television. They're still paying on the $7.75 billion deal that they signed in 2014 to continue to broadcast the Olympic Games, both the summer and the winter games, through 2032. So, terrible. Terrible all the way around. And you know what was also bad? The U.S. medal count. 25. Eight golds, 10 silver, and 7 bronze. Only 8 gold. Yes, that is a disappointment by American standards. And you finished in fifth place in the medal count behind Norway 
the ROC, not the ROCAK in the USA, but no, the Russian Olympic Committee, Germany, Canada, Norway had 37 medals. The United States had 25. So, yeah, not impressive, to say the least. All right. Those are some terrible Tuesday takes. We got some more for you coming a little bit later in the show as we'll take a look at the NBA uh, All-Star Weekend again, too. We'll dive into that. But when we come back, we go across the pond and we talk to our favorite British broadcaster. He is Paul Buckpower Stewart. He does a fantastic job covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's been on the show so many times, especially during the football season. He's got his website, buckpower.com, and we will talk to him about what is transpiring on the English sporting scene coming up next. Who needs an enema when you can tune in to the Dr. T.C. Martin? UNLV in action tonight. You can watch all the action on the CBS Sports Network at 8 p.m. tonight. Against the hated, hated arch-rival UNR. Looking forward to that. And the money coming all in on the Wolfpack. This game opened minus one last night, early this morning, uh, for UNR. And now got bet up to minus three. So I think a lot of people are believing that uh, Reno is going to uh, take care of business here. Uh, a little bit more healthy. Sure if it will be back for the Wolfpack tonight. But the Rebels on a mission. Playing some great basketball. Winning those last two games on the road at Fresno last week. And then the game at the Thomas and Mack Center on Saturday at Colorado State. Very, very impressive. Winning handily. Rebels are playing good. And they are not looking past UNR tonight because they want to accomplish the sweep. And they have not done that in many, many, many years. So, especially Bryce Hamilton. I mean, he he wants this sweep badly. So, Yes, Rebels and UNR tonight. We'll be recapping uh, that game tomorrow. We uh, look forward uh, to that, but watch the game uh, tonight at 8 o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. All right. Now, we bring in our very good friend from across the pond. I don't know what the temperature is, where he is, somewhere in the hills, uh, 100 miles, I don't know, northeast of London or whatever, but he is the one and only Paul. Buck Power Stewart. Oh, listen to this. It's love. We have so much love for Paul Buck Power Stewart. We have mad love. We have crazy love. Sing along, Paul. <laughs> Buck Power, what's going on, my friend? Oh, are you really complaining about only getting 25 medals? I mean, that's 23 more than Great Britain got to soon. <laughs> well, we are better than you. You have to remember that, especially in the Winter Games, you know? Yeah, I mean, what you've got to remember, I know we've talked about this before, is how the British will follow any sport if there's British involvement. Right. And the only two events we were really good at were the curling. And we, the men reached the final, got a silver medal, the women won. And that event was in the middle of the night on Saturday, Sunday night. Millions of people stayed up to watch it. Now, we've got people here who knew nothing about curling, but 
got into watching the highlights of the qualifying rounds and then because a British team was in the gold medal game, all stayed up to watch it. They've become national heroes. The Queen sent them a good luck message (laughs) and, you know, they're being fated and honoured like real sporting celebrities right now. You know, really, this is no different than, like, say, the Jamaican bobsled team back in the day. Next thing you know, we're going to be making a movie about English curling. Is that what it's going to be? And the Queen's well, going to have a part? Well, having the movie about English ski jumpers. But, I mean, obviously, that was, <laughs> that, that was really a case of making fun because it was a joke, you know, uh, how bad they were. I mean, the Jamaican bobsled team, of course, we all know, we've all seen the film. The, 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 I mean, the, the curlers, they are good at what they do. So I think it's a case that... You know, whenever we have a celebration of British sport and someone wins something, it could have been Andy Murray winning Wimbledon tennis, which was huge. You know, a, you know, a Justin Rose winning the US Open of golf. They are honoured and fated like, you know, mega celebrities because they've done something that the British people can be proud of. Where is Eddie the Eagle? That's what I want to know. Where is Eddie the Eagle? I mean, it was a great movie, Paul. How can you discount that? As I said, because I spent 10 minutes interviewing him once, it was 10 minutes of my life I'll never get back to this. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, you must have thought it was a story. I mean, he was, as bad as he was, he had no shot to win a medal. You spent 10 minutes interviewing Eddie the Eagle. Yeah, I mean, it was a story. It's like yeah. you say, you know, we like the novelty stories. You know, like we said, the Jamaican bobsled team. And it's a fantastic film, and it's a, even though they took liberties with what really happened. And I think it's great that the Olympics bring together people who might not be great at their sport, but they're there representing their country. You know, I remember seeing, I think it was a, a swimmer from Ghana competed in the Summer Olympics. He finished a minute behind every other swimmer, but he was there representing his country. And it's his moment to shine. And that is what the Olympics are about. Not a 15-year-old who suddenly miraculously found a cure for for a heart murmur and has taken magic drugs that just happened to uh, help her compete at skating a lot better. Mm. So, Paul, the Olympics, as I said, they came to uh, a merciful end. I thought it was 17 (laughs) days of just pure... I don't want to say torture, but nonsense. I and I hate to use the word torture when we're talking about a, a country like China and 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 the way everything is over there. I mean, but what was your take uh, about the Olympics personally, and what did the the British people actually think about it? Are there ratings? Are there television ratings on the BBC there that that watch the games? And I know what you're saying. You know, you guys get more into the individual sports when you have someone who is a competitor has a shot at a medal i get that but in general how do they view the olympic games especially the winter games the the bbc had coverage of the olympics and most of the events a lot of them were early morning uk time and then they were highlight packages available during the day you could watch you know when you wanted and i think it was a case of the brits really only cared when a british involvement was there so you'd watch the two off on bobsleigh you'd look at the good teams right when the british team going how are they going to finish they're sixth they're 15th that's the story i mean i think there would have been a lot more interest across America if the NHL players had gone for the hockey. That would have been one of the greatest tournaments of all. You know, would America have won? Canada, Vasilevsky in goal for the Russians. Could he have led them to a gold medal? And I think that's where the Olympics dropped off because that would have been the big involvement for the American public to watch. For the American public, no doubt. But for the the, the British 
audience, would they care about watching hockey? Because there are no English hockey players, right? There are. There's a British hockey league. I mean, the standard isn't very good. The Great Britain hockey team is ranked about 14th, 15th in the world. They've, they've made it into the top level of the world championships, I think, a couple of years ago. They didn't qualify for this Olympics. Again, I think had the British team qualified people would have been a bit more interested. But I know the actual coverage of the the hockey on the BBC, one man and his dog watched it because there was nothing else on TV. <laughs> so this is what I was going to ask you. So what is, say, just give me one of the most popular shows on BBC that you would see on a weeknight. You know, here we have, you know, our, you know, our law and orders and we have, you know, whatever, whatever some of the, the shows are, the Goldbergs or whatever. Give me a popular show that is a highly rated show that is like can't miss TV or whether it's a comedy or whatever it is on the on BBC. You're not talking about Paul Stewart's coverage of the NFL then. Ah, I'm not talking about that one. I think that's on the cutting room uh, floor of some editing yeah, room. I'm teasing. Uh, I'm teasing. On the interactive red button. I think the main shows, the, the, the soap operas are the big ones. Now, the big ones we have are Coronation Street and EastEnders are the big soap operas that have been running for years over here. Um, but then you have, we have, you know, documentary shows. Okay. We have so, the American Idols, the Pop Idols. Right, you, you, know, you have the American... Okay, so th- that's what I'm talking about. Now, Now, the reason why I'm asking is, as you know, here in the United States, NBC preempts all of those shows to give you primetime coverage, so those shows go away for the three weeks or so, whatever the Olympics are on. Does that happen... In Britain with the BBC, do they give you the primetime coverage or is it only highlight packages because they're not going to uh, you know, go a week or two or three without those primetime shows that are Monday through Friday? Oh, it stops. So, for example, the best example would be Wimbledon Tennis, which, of course, the final week of June, first week of July, everything stops Wimbledon Tennis. And the those soap opera shows on the BBC show will get either moved to a different time put onto a different channel because all the focus will be on Wimbledon. And they used to schedule the matches so that Andy Murray would always be on early evening, peak time, everyone was watching it. So, yeah, the BBC will move those shows if they've got a big sporting event to show. But the BBC don't have as many big sports now as they used to, TC. Wimbledon Tennis is really the only one. Most of them have gone to the equivalent of Fox Sports or other sports channels now. So the answer is that they would not... Uh, preempt those shows the past few weeks for the Olympic Games? or, or, or No, definitely not. The, the Olympics were very much a niche thing. The Summer Olympics, the London Summer Olympics were different because okay. there was huge interest in that mm. because that really did take mm. over. It was here, you know, and it, it did take over mm. for two weeks. All right, so the, the numbers have came out here. So the... NBC recorded an audience of 16 million for the Beijing Winter Olympic Games, uh, the opening ceremony. Uh, that was down 43 percent. Uh, in in the in the UK, the BBC's coverage peaked at 1.3 million viewers. There you go. What do you what do you think of that? That's Paul? about the same number of people who used to watch me presenting the NFL. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, but I'd rather see that, Paul Stewart. I don't, I don't care if Thank Jacksonville was playing Tennessee or or some of those low life team with the Jets and the and the Jaguars or whatever. No, Paul Stewart on the call. That's what I got to hear. No doubt. That would be one point three million and one. I like that. I like the sound of that too. He is Paul Buckpower Stewart, who uh, joins us from uh, across the pond. I tried to give your location earlier. 
Uh, give us your location and and your weather forecast right now. That's what I, I'm curious. Oh, well, I'm, I'm about 150 miles southwest of London. I live in an area called Devon. And we, we've just had putting the past weekend, we've had near a hurricane come through. So I've got a few friends panels down. It was 42 degrees here today. Um, not really good golfing weather, but uh, it's what you get used to over here. I can't, That's why I love coming to Florida and coming to America. Paul Stewart, have you ever uh, participated in curling? Have you ever put a broom in your hand before? I've put a broom in my hand, but not curling. <laughs> Back in the day when I was a full-time um, newspaper journalist, I used to have, compete, have a go at all different sports. I would do a feature on different sporting clubs, and I would always have a go. But that was one sport I didn't try. All right. All right. So Paul Buck Power Stewart, a man, as we know, covers the NFL, does a fantastic job with his BuckPower.com covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which we talked to him quite about during the course of the football season. But but that's really not the story right now. He. This is off-season for him, so he's looking at other sports and other stories. And luckily, Paul Stewart, there's uh, some stories that I've been following as well, too. And as we go to our on-the-spot reporter, is 150 uh, miles south, or would that be kilometers? It would not be miles in England. It would be kilometers, and that would be, what, no, like miles, 190? Miles, it, we're not European. <laughs> you're not European. <laughs> All right, so we know the Premier League, okay, is big there. We understand that, Paul. But when a player starts kicking his cat around his kitchen, that is going to make major news here. And we're talking about West Ham United player, what, Kurt Zuma kicking his cat? Please tell us the story here. Oh, I mean, first of all, I mean, I have no time for anyone who has cruelty to animals of any kind. Um, and this was a story that came out on social media about three weeks ago that, yeah, West player for West Ham, Kurt Zuma, in the Premier League, was filmed kicking his cat through, along his kitchen. And it caused a real media outrage. You know, the, the t- he played in the next game, which was re- really bad. I mean, should the team suspended him? He got fined a huge amount of money. There was a real backlash about it. Now, what happened last weekend, though, was almost funnier in that West Ham went to play a game against Newcastle and a lot of the Newcastle fans were holding up inflatable cats <laughs> in, in the crowd to make fun of him. And all the Newcastle players were walking past him and going meow at him during the game, really giving him a hard time, causing him a lot of aggravation. He got booed mercilessly, quite rightly, for 90 minutes. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you've got to take care, you've got to deal with these people, make an example of them and... Therefore, set an example that it doesn't happen again in in real life outside of the focus of sports. There it is, Paul, sir. That almost sounds as good as your uh, cat meow you just gave us right there, you know? He's he's got everything nunchuck, hasn't he? I mean, what a board. Well, I want to see how quickly he could be right now because every time I hear about cats in a kitchen or cats outside, you know what I think about? Because you, you know, me and Frank, we would always have our conversation with yourself about Monty Python. I have to think about Confuse the Cat. <laughs> See, if there it I is. I've now. I do, uh, I do look to the sky and think of Frank watching from above. <laughs> That really doesn't play well on radio, but that is Confuse no, the Cat. not at all. But that was Confuse the Cat. It's an audio-visual show. It doesn't work on air on uh, radio. Confuse the Cat. Outstanding. You you know that episode. You know what I'm talking about, Paul, don't you? 
I, I do, I do. I think that would have probably been more popular than the Super Bowl halftime show was <laughs> over here too soon. Speaking of which, so the Brits did not like uh, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Eminem. What's the deal? Well, actually, I've, I've got to actually hand over here to a, to a colleague of mine, Graham England, who runs a, a radio show called England Beatbox, and he was full of praise for the, the whole halftime show. Now, the problem <laughs> is, is, me being a middle-aged white male, I'm probably not the kind of demographic the NFL is aiming at for that show. Now, if they'd started off with the Buggles, followed up with a flock of seagulls and Rick Astley, and then had a tribute to George Michael and Wham, I might have been more interested but, I mean, my knowledge of rap music really goes back to the Sugar Hill Gang and Rapper's Delight. That's what I'm talking about there, Paul Strull. Hip hop to hip hip hop. You don't stop. To the bang bang boogie. Say up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to beat. Now, let me hear Paul black, Stewart white, take. The red and the brown, the round, blue, and yellow. Go ahead, bust a move, Paul. Let's hear it British style. Well, no. <laughs> As I said, to the black, to the white, the red and the brown, the round, blue, and yellow. It's, it's Years ago, too That's true, but we remember it like it was yesterday, my friend. Come on now. But I think, I mean, the Super Bowl show, it was a tremendous halftime show. Yes, I watched it, the halftime show. I watched the game on as live the following day because I had no horse in the race. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a great entertainment thing. And again, that's something we don't do in British sports. You know, we've had a couple of bands playing at the London game, the NFL games in London, but it's not really something the Brits do. Whenever we used to have the FA Cup final, there might be a marching band going up and down for 10 minutes at half time. There wasn't a huge show that you have. I think he, the Brits might even be happy with Up With People singing the American Dream from 40 years ago. <laughs> Great knowledge there. Great American knowledge by Paul hey, Buck Power Stewart. You're there. So what was the Super Bowl experience like for you, my friend? I mean, you stayed up late, you watched it, you weren't in, in really interested in the halftime show, but what about uh, you know the, the parties, uh, the pints? You said you were going to just probably have a Budweiser. Did you venture off? And what were the snacks like? There had to be a, the food menu there. Well, I mean, as I said, I didn't watch it all live. I watched it the following day uh, on edited highlights because I didn't have a horse in the race. Uh, so, but I, I had my one beer, as I promised to, for Nunchuck. I did that. Yeah. I, I was like the person sitting in the back of the nightclub, not, you know, being very boring. But to me, I mean, it, it, was, a, it was a good game. Um, yes, there was a lot of controversy about, you know, one or two missed calls. Um, but as I said, I think the right team won. If the Bengals had won, there would have been a lot more controversy about the, the missed pass interference penalty that you know that should have been called on the Bengals' touchdown. But really, I think the story was the Rams went all in for this season. They put all their chips in the table, to, for a Vegas analogy, and it paid off for them. And congratulations to them. I think they were the better team. I don't think they were the best team in the season. But at the end of the day, not the best team doesn't always win. I mean, the Bengals definitely weren't the best team in the AFC, but they got there. They earned the right to be there. Congratulations to the Rams, and, and, and especially Raheem Morris, former Bucks head coach, who wins a Super Bowl ring as their defensive coordinator. Well, you mentioned the beer, Paul, but you didn't mention the food. Well, last time I mentioned chips and dips, and Nunchuck thought I said something else. Yeah, this is true. This is true. This is true. 
Yeah. No, there were there were quite a lot of big Super Bowl parties in London. Um, I know a few a couple of friends of mine were hosting them. Had I been still up in London, I probably be, would have been involved in, in, in you know looking after one myself. So yeah, I mean the Brits do get into the NFL, and as I said, like we said mm. when I was on before, there's a lot more of the the average neutral fan gets involved because it is the Super Bowl and it's part of an experience to stay up and watch it. But then, you know, I had people talking to me, asking me what's going on and what to look out for. Well, I'm happy to educate them, but I don't think they're ever going to become NFL fans just on the back of watching the Super Bowl. Paul, you mentioned something to me before, and you texted me about chips and dip and something about spotted dick. Now... What? I, and I didn't know how to take that, Paul Stewart. I, I really didn't. I mean, you're. What are you talking about? Well, anyone who follows TC on social media knows that he every time he even has the biscuit, he has to post about it on, on Facebook. I'll just go uh, grab him in the biscuits. I'd uh, be humpy, by the way. Reeves has told me long about this. Now, there are certain English foods that are quite well known for their names. So, shepherd's pie. You know, we don't really make it as shepherds. It's just something that's traditionally, you know, that's got that name. Spotted Dick is a famous English pudding. It's like a steamed sort of stodgy pie. No, no, it's not a pie. It's it's a sort of, you know, baked dessert with sultanas and raisins in. And for some reason, it's always been known as Spotted Dick. And, of course, because of the different languages across the Atlantic, people laugh about it. And that's what I suggested. If you ever come to London, you're going to have to try that. I will not try any spotted dick or any dick in general. I draw the line right there. I think that's a very, very sound piece of advice to take, actually. Yes, and I believe uh, dick is derived from the word dough. So is that what it means? We're, we're having spotted yes, dough? We're having spotted dough. That's absolutely right. And it's yeah, spo- that, is, that is where it comes from. Yes. I, I don't think I, I, I will go on record here as saying I don't think I've had any spotted dick since I was a young boy. Yes. Uh, just none of us. I can say none of this here on, on, on this side of, of the Atlantic uh, want uh, any any spotted dick at all. We we will we will pass. I mean, shepherd's pie sounds grotesque. Spotted dick even sounds worse. Shepherd's pie is just almost like a sort of um, meatloaf with gravy and potatoes on the top. And I would say that probably both of those uh, entrees, if you want to call them entrees, they don't look very good either. I'm sure a spotted dick does not look good. No, I would have to pass on that one. This is why I come to America for a really good steak and burgers and fries. All right, Paul, uh, I told you before when I had you on, there was uh, another story or two that I wanted to talk with you about for a terrible Tuesday. Uh, you know, I was watching TV there last week, and I saw this uh, UEFA Futsal Euro 2022 yes. uh, indoor soccer with a giant bas- on a basketball court. What is this? What is it, indoor? Okay. What is that? It looks yeah, like foosball. It so it's, it's, it's indoor five-a-side football. Um, now, this is something that... The England, Scotland, the teams over here, we do not get involved in. We've never entered it. We've no interest in it. It's more of a European event. So it really is indoor five-a-side football, played on like a basketball court, like you say. It's a lot more fast-moving. And it's the sort of thing we would play here in the UK. Now, when I was younger, I would go and play five-a-side football in the evening. You'd get a bunch of people together, just like you would have pick-up basketball. And it's quite a popular thing to do. But, yeah, the European Football Association, FIFA, started running this event in the mid-'80s. They run it every couple of years. And a lot of in Portugal have just won it for the third consecutive time. There aren't any big-name players in there. I think it's the same as Rugby Sevens is quite big, where you've got a, a smaller version of 
main rugby, the American rugby sevens team is very popular. You know, they've been they've had finals. There's been a final held in Las Vegas between the different countries. So I think it's just an indoor smaller version of soccer, which is was popular in some countries, not so popular in others. Paul, did you hear about the World Cup qualifier controversy with US the US team against Jamaica? Did you hear about was that? Was this the one that was played in about minus 30 degrees? I, 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 so the Jamaica Football Federation protested the result of the 1-1 draw as the Costa Rican referee improperly failed to call a handball in the first half on uh, Damian Lowe, should have been credited with the goal, and in the 84th minute when he leaped above a Walker Zimmerman at the top of the six-yard box, headed in a corner, but the kick, the goal was disallowed, Paul Stewart, saying he made contact with the American player. Big-time controversy. FIFA dismissed the protest, saying that Jamaica failed to notify the match commissioner of the protest. And here's the big part here. They failed to make a payment of $1,075 to accompany the protest. Therefore, they say, we're rejecting your protest because you didn't pay the money. Well, just something to say, TC, there has never been a game overturned on protest in football ever. Now, there was a quite an egregious situation about 20 years ago when France made it through to the World Cup at the expense of the Republic of Ireland. And one of the French players, I think it was Thierry Henry, punched the ball into the net, and the referee didn't see it. And no matter how much they protested, they weren't going to replay the game. It is one of those things in sport. Now, you know, you know, I don't like criticism of referees. Referees make mistakes. Even in the Super Bowl, you know, you've got the best officials in the world are in that game. They are working for the NFL, and they miss things. It happens. We're looking you know, through multiple replays in slow motion so we can criticise. And it happens, you know, in, in this soccer qualifier. If a referee misses something, it's part of the game. And very rarely can you honestly say it de- it decided the game. A team has had 90 minutes and multiple chances to try and win the game. And I think it's just almost like a, a sort of cop-out for referee, for managers and players to say, oh, the referee cost us the game because they missed that decision. It's an excuse and I don't like it. All right. He is Paul Buck Power Stewart, the man of many. He goes old school rap, and he brought up Rick Astley. You can't go wrong with Rick Astley. <laughs> All right, my, my daughter's one of her all-time favorite songs. I don't know why. All right, brother, we appreciate you as always. We will talk to you very, very soon. Keep up the faith, Paul Stewart. Keep warm, my friend, and watch out for that for that big match coming up. Where, where's Paul live? He lives in where? In Devon. Yeah, Devon and Plymouth. I'm sure it's a big match coming up between Devon and Plymouth. <laughs> it, it will be. Thank you to all the people from around Vegas who contact me through social media. You... I love answering the questions about being over here in the UK and, and following American sports. So, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Guys, be safe and enjoy yourselves. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Paul Buckpower Stewart, buckpower.com, a great website there, chronicling all the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, hour one in the books. Hit it, Rick!
time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Gasol says, hey, pass a big ticket. T.C. Martin. And here comes the Birdman. Flapping his wings and soaring for a sweet flush. When you're aerodynamically designed with that hairdo, you can do those kinds of things. With that sweet mohawk. The doctor is now in. Unos, dos, tres. Yep, hour number two on this uh, terrible Tuesday edition. Miss any part of the show, you know where to go. TCMartinShow.com. Check out all the interviews that are up there, the blogs. It's all there for you at TCMartinShow.com. Talk a little UNLV Runner Rebels. Our interview from last week uh, with the former UNLV Rebel, Curtis Terry, is up on the website. UNLV in action tonight as they take on the Nevada Reno Wolfpack. I know people here want us to say Reno. Even though they're technically called Nevada, but they're not going to do that here. They're going to say Reno. 8 o'clock CBS Sports Network. We'll be uh, watching that game tonight between UNLV and UNR. How's that? I'll like UNR is I'll, the best way to say it. I like to call them that. There you go. All right. A lot to hit on the NBA. Ready to reconvene. And uh, no better time to bring in the former point guard, the sharpshooter himself, the floor general, the leader, the guy I usually played with a smile on his face. The one and only, the three-time champ. We're talking about B.J. Armstrong. What is up, my man? What's going on? How you doing? Give B.J. NBA, some funk. The NBA. Yeah. Give him oh, some funk. Talking, oh, you're talking to me. Now you're talking to me. This is, this is music to my ears. It has to keep it funky. You got to keep it funky. See, I, I, I think I can safely say that no other radio show interview you do, that you get the intro like that, and you get a chance to bob your head, you need to pop and lock a little bit as well, too, right? No one's going to bring talking. back the now funk like talking. that. All right. Man, that just brings back such great memories, man. What an era, you know? I'm, what an era. Let that just play. Let that play in the background. Just let it go. I mean, I, I can just I can go get something to eat right now, you know? Uh, I'll see. <laughs> we'll just let uh, George Clinton, Parliament Funkadella get busy. There you go. Get a little knee-deep. Now, you know, here's the deal, BJ. When we have the big seven-footer on, your former teammate, if I asked him to request a song, you know who he'd come with? Wait, I mean, you oh, know the seven-footer. What do you think he would he come with? Would Give play, me an artist. He probably would uh, Mozart or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Close. Close. We had this discussion, and we've had it numerous times, but we were talking about this last week, and he goes, well, why don't you give me some chubby checker? That's what he said. You know what? That sounds like Bill. That it. sounds like the big fellows, though. All right. I respect it, though. I respect, I respect it. <laughs> yeah, I'm tempted to get the seven-footer on the phone right now, too. I'm really tempted. Just, you know. Oh, know. You, you, you got to get them all. You got to get them all. We should. I, I we love should to get, hear from them. All right, let's do it. Let's, do it. let's, just, let's go cold call. We're going to get Numbchuck and get him on. But while we do that, Numbchuck, you got to get you gotta, gotta, you gotta get the Funkadelic back on. Okay? We got to go We got to go a little little knee-deep while, while, while you do that so BJ and I can get a reminiscent oh, talk. Yeah. I just want to hear the big fellow. I can, I can hear him already. What's that? Yeah. Cut that off. That music. What is this music? I can already hear him. <laughs> yeah. He's, I know he's going to. Pick up the phone and dump trucks. He's going, well, I'm not scheduled for today. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know where this guy's probably at right now, BJ? He's probably at the USF uh, gym, the old War Memorial gym, getting ready for a little basketball practice. That's what this guy's doing. He's overseeing his, his alma mater over there, you know. Yeah, you know, Bill is one of the great guys. I enjoy 
you know, playing with him. And he was, uh, you know, he was a great veteran and a great professional and, uh, you know, one of my all-time favorites. So, uh, you know, hopefully he'll pick up the phone. We can... We could find out what Bill's doing on a on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I pretty much know his uh, schedule uh, pretty good there. So there it is. Did you, did you get him, Nunchuck? Did you get him? I think we got him. So here we go. Let's see if uh, if he's going to join us here. It, all right, total on total impromptu. All right, so here we go. So we bring BJ Armstrong on. With the Parliament Funkadelic. And like we said, if we went, if the seven-footer had his call, it would be this. And there it is. And now I believe we're joined by the former Chicago Bull teammates. Big Bill, your song is playing. What do you want to say about this? Everybody loves Chubby Jacker, as you know. <laughs> Everybody loves him. And everybody should be required to do the play. All right, BJ. How do you want to? How do you want to counter that? All right. Well, play my song. Play my song all first. Right, all right. Let's hear and here we go. And now let's bring. We go from the 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 five-time champ as a player and a coach to the three-time champ as a player, but who has more more dip in his hip, more pride in his stride. We're talking about the one and only sharpshooter, the point guard, BJ Armstrong. How's that introduction? With a little knee deep. Oh, Bill, you gotta love this. This is what Bill was listening to before the game. He won't admit it. This is what he was listening to. He's got to keep it funky. This is what Bill was really listening to. Uh, Bill, I know we've talked before. You you do have an appreciation for the funk. I mean, you got you you spent those times at Studio Fifty Four back your days in the Knicks, man. Before you hooked up with BJ and the Bulls. I mean, come on, man. Where is your love for the funk? Let's go. Hey, look, for one thing, the um, Studio 54 days, they were just ending. Okay, so there was no <laughs> studios, there was no clubbing, there was, there was no stand up at, at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, no, sorry, missed that. Now, BJ, you can counter that because I, I know you guys hit the club scene and you, and you had some good music going in the, in the city of Chicago back in those days, right? Come on. We did, you know what? And, uh, you know, I'm surprised, you know, I, I really thought it was going to be Mozart, Sebastian Bach. <laughs> I, that's what I thought Bill was going to come with. You know what? But I see the wild side with Chubby Checkers, you know, okay, I could go with that. That's, that's, that's the big fella. The big fella, you know, hey, he controlled the paint. That's what he, that's what they're listening to down there. But us little guys <laughs> on the perimeter, we got to keep it funky out there. So, you know what? <laughs> I don't get that. I'm a BJ. He's got a Detroit connection, so you wouldn't think he'd throw some Motown in there. We get some some old Motown. We get some Stevie. We get some Michael Jackson. You know, we get something like that. That's that's connected to him. But Bill, it's all it's, it's the funk, Bill. It's the sound of the funk. You, you, you got to keep it funky. I'm from Detroit. You know how we do. The you funk. know what I mean? <laughs> you know, Rick, Rick, Rick James. We love him. Yeah, but that, 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 that's done. It's the more funk. What do you mean that's done? I mean, you're sitting there going to a Chubby Checker concert, and I swear you're walking. You're going in there with a walker. I mean, come on, man. You're going in there with a walker to Chubby Checker. What, what are you doing? You're not that old. 
You're not in your 80s, my friend. Come on. That's your versatility. That's your being able to get up on stage and do a twist. And, T.C., I would love to see you on the stage. And I, and I, and I know you can do it. And just do a little twist. That's all I want to say. Well, you've seen me on the stage before. You know that I can I, I can cut it up. But uh, yeah, let's 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 do it. We'll have the TC Martin Show Twist Contest. There it is. That's what we'll do. Pulp Fiction did it with John Travolta, and Uma Thurman. I I guess we could do it too. There it is. Yeah, there we go. Now, there we go. That's all I'm saying. Nubchuck, can we come up with the happy medium here between 1965 and, and 1985? Can we find something that both of these guys will agree upon? Let let's let's pick something here in the middle that uh, both these guys can say, okay, that's what I'm talking about. I don't know, guys. What are we talking about here? Can can we agree, uh, you know, with some cameo, or we have to go Sister Sledge? I mean, what do we got to what do we got to agree upon here? Well, does it have to be Stevie Wonder? Do we go that that pop? I always got to defer to my big fella. I got to defer to the vet. So whatever the big no, fella wants to listen to, that's what we're. Hey, I'm okay with that. Whatever you want. Hey, hey, do you, do you, can you throw some slide on there? Talk about cameo. You, now, we, can go, we can go some cameo. I mean, you want to go a little word yeah, up? I go. mean, we can do that if you want, you know? I mean, go. That's all I'm just telling you. That's just versatility. Now, hey, wait a minute. Last segment, last segment we had we had one of our, broadca- our, our British broadcasters, Paul Stewart, on here, and he brought up Sugar Hill Gang. I mean, if you want to go with that, is that the happy meaning? Can you guys agree on, on a little Rapper's Delight or Eighth Wonder or something I, like that? I, 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 whatever the big fellow, if that's what the big fellow wants, you know what? <laughs> the big fellow says, I demand the ball now. Clear it out. <laughs> let's, let's just see what you got. All right, let's see what you got. Here we go. Let's see if the seven-footer agrees with this. I mean, here we go. We're, we're, we're hitting you right now with 1978, my friend. This is it. Is 78 good enough for you? 78 is fine with me. I, I think that may be too, too young for me. Yeah, it might be. It might. Yeah, this, 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 this is right in the sweet spot for me. Right to start. <laughs> VJ, don't, okay. it don't sound like Chubby Checker, but we got the seven-footer to convert. To a little I, I, Big I, Bank I, Hank and Master G hey, and Wonder Mike. Hey, 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 the big fella was playing in New York for many years. So, hey, if this is what the big fella wants, this is what the big fella gets. Hey, hey, got to take care of my big fella, you know? I got to take care of him. All right, there we go. All right, man. This is great. We got the uh, former Bulls teammates, BJ Armstrong and Big Bill Cartwright, uh, join us. We're just going to keep the seven-footer on. You know, guys, uh, I know you're, you're both still – uh, very in tune to the college game as well, too. And, and BJ, I was going to talk to you about this big game tonight coming up uh, in uh, in Iowa City tonight, my friend. Yeah, right? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. You got you got the hot your, your former uh, Hawkeyes in action tonight against Sparty against Michigan State, and then uh, you know the seven footer his his USF uh, crew they they're rolling uh, themselves here. So let's let's talk a little college hoop. Uh, g- give me your take on on what you've seen with the Hawkeyes, my friend. Well, you know, you know, Iowa, you know, they've been playing right around five hundred or so in in conference play, and this is a big game. I think this is a game we probably need to solidify if we want to have an opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament uh, that's here. So this would be a big game for us. Um, there's, you know, the Big Ten has been very competitive as it always is, and you know, you have. Purdue and Wisconsin, these guys at the top. So 
this will be a big game for us, and hopefully we can pull it out. But Michigan State is always tough. Izzo will have those guys ready to go. And uh, this is going to be an important game for both sides. Yeah, I mean, the Illini, real tough there at, uh, towards the top of the Big Ten as well, too. And we see Wisconsin, uh, you know, doing their thing as well, too. And, uh, you know, we talked yesterday with, with Bill about the Juwan Howard situation. I know that's a guy that you know pretty well yourself, BJ. When, when you saw what happened with him at the end of that game with him and Greg Gard and the handshake line, uh, you know, then we get the news today that the, uh, uh, the Big Ten issued a five-game suspension for Juwan Howard, fined also $40,000. You know, we, we know that handshake lines can – you can get squirmishes. You can get that kind of stuff. There's always some trash talking, but uh, we've never seen it really get to the level where where coaches are actually you know striking other coaches. Uh, give me your take uh, when you saw all this happen. Well, you know I know Juwan um, very well. I've been knowing Juwan. You know he's a Chicago kid, so yeah. You know, when I played there, and, and, and I know him, and he's not a good guy. He's a great guy. You know, Juwan is a great guy. I've never seen him this animated. Um, he's very level-headed, and he, when I say a great guy, he's just a terrific person. You know, he had a stellar career as an NBA player, and I just wish it never happened, guys. You know, we all have our moments in sports where we've probably done things that we regret, and that was just an that was just a moment there that he had a moment, I'm sure, as he'll have time to reflect and he understand. I think what he said or what was said after the statement, I thought it was captured very well. I think he was able to reflect and understood what was going to happen. And that, to me, showed leadership. That's why he's in that position. And it showed that he was willing to take accountability of what happened because I think we all will agree that, Something needed to happen, and what happened for him to be suspended? Okay, and it is what it is. Now, moving on to that, you know, you're just saying it's just a very unfortunate situation that it had to, the way it was, you know, it came together. Who's ever they want to say escalated what? It was just unfortunate. I wish it never would have happened. Um, but I thought, you know, putting what he said, University of Michigan in particular with Juwan Howard, I thought that was an example of leadership. And uh, you move forward and you move on. But it was uh, something I just happened to be watching that game as well. And like I said, but you know what? Things happen. And uh, we've been in locker rooms, Bill and I. We've been in situations. And, you know, whether it's high school, college, NBA, you know, skirmishes happen. When the emotions are high, sometimes the rationale can be very low. So when you have a, a heightened situation, anything is possible, especially when you have, com- you know, the competitive spirit of teams and coaches and all of that. And, um, you know, it was, just, it was something you don't like to see, especially at the collegiate level, because, you know, these are young men. These are leaders and are helping these young people grow and to set an example. And it was a situation that kind of went a little sideways a little bit. But you know what? You move on. You learn from it. It's a teachable moment for us all, and we move on to the next play. You know, Bill, you coached. You know, in the NBA, 
and we realize that there is a difference and uh, you know between the the pro level and the collegiate level you don't have handshake lines you know at at the nba level people just go their own way or whatever but it just seems like you know there's just more of this controlled environment uh, at the collegiate level um i want to get your uh, opinion on that uh and also, has there been any instances that, that, that either one of you guys saw, but especially you, Bill, as a coach, that you know, something like this happened to you while you were coaching at any point in time, you know, whether it's, it's during games or post-game? Uh, well, that did happen. I don't really want to comment who the head coach was at the time, but I was, I was in a situation where um, the head coach had an incident with the official after the game, and I had to go over and basically say, look, this is not appropriate, and nothing good is going to happen in this situation. And I had wished in uh, the Michigan situation somebody would have come over and just grabbed him and pulled him away. Sometimes you need people around like that in that kind of heightened pressure type situation where your emotions do get out of character and you just need somebody for that for that three, four, five, whatever seconds to pull you away and say, Hey dude, wake up. You know, dude, we don't do that. That's that's not appropriate. That's not who you are. But uh, but that, that did not happen. BJ was right on at what he was saying. You just learn from it. Uh you can never ever 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 touch anybody. Uh doesn't matter uh, player, coach Fans and definitely not the referees. You may be gone forever. So right. it's just uh, it's just what it is. But uh, it would have been great if somebody, uh, even a player, pull his ass away because look, it is a, a ton of pressure on those coaches, especially on the head coach. And uh, you need people around you who are really solid to help you make your solid decisions. So. Um, I'm sure they'll move off of it. And uh, like I said, that, that, guy's a, that guy's a great guy, phenomenal guy. Um, and they've been successful, so they'll be back. So, you know, both of you guys, obviously, you, you played together, won championships together, played at a high level, both college and in the NBA. And I'm sure, you know, you guys both went through skirmishes. I mean, Bill, we remember, though, and we've talked about it before, those battles, you know, with those monsters, you know, down low in the paint. And, you know, referees did let, you know, stuff go. And, and BJ, from your perspective, even though you're, more, you know, a perimeter guy and a guard, this and that, uh, I'm, I'm sure you had some, a lot of trash talking and, and all that stuff as well, too. How how much does it take you to have to restrain from not getting physical, or once it does get physical, to to kind of hold back? And then, and how long does it take you to say, okay, hold on, my bad, I shouldn't have done that? I mean, as a player in the heat of all these battles. Well, you know, listen, there's rules to engagement, and I think everyone understands who plays sports understand the rules of engagement, right? You know, so let's take for instance. Guys can talk trash all they want. The moment you start touching people, the rules change. And that's where I think Bill was talking, Bill being a head coach. You know, if I'm the assistant coach and Bill is the head coach, I expect Bill and the head coach to engage with referees, engage whatever is going on in the game. But it is my job 
to make sure that I come and I grab the head coach because my job is to protect the head coach at all costs. Now, as I was watching that skirmish there, the thing that was amazing to me was no one tried to grab the head coach from from uh, the University of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They went straight for <laughs> for <laughs> Coach Howard, and that to me was like, okay, that's that's coaching one on one, right? Everyone knows if the head coach is arguing a call or arguing the what's the name, you go and restrain that head coach because emotions, you know, they get heightened, and we understand that in sports. So the whole thing to me was kind of odd just watching it because I've been in enough conflicts. I've been in enough engagements where I understand there are rules to this. And it just seems like, you know, there's a level of – there's rules that you have as an assistant coach. If I saw the big fellow get into a skirmish, the first thing I'm going to do, especially if it's – in the playoffs is I'm going to go and I'm going to say, hey, okay, big fella, enough is this, because we don't want Bill to get thrown out of the game. It just seemed very awkward to me, that whole process, because it was like these guys have never been in any type of skirmish because there were rules that were being violated. I know they're unwritten rules, but I think anyone who's been on a team, anyone who's been on a championship-level team or been in a, in a, in a, a team-like or family-like situation, they understand how to – really de-escalate the situation. And to me, it was all backwards and all wrong, but I've been in enough of those things that I'm like, okay, all right, let me go grab the coach. Let me go grab the player. Let's get out of here. Let's get going. Whatever happened, happened. And then cooler heads will prevail in the end. Hmm. But to me, it was it was done all backwards, but I was just observing from afar on my television. All right. Bill, your take on that? Well, and, and I don't know if there's a backstory on it either. To Maybe these guys had some problems early on uh, evidently something set them off. But, uh, you know, the bottom line, during the course of the game, uh, it, it, it doesn't matter because your your goal is to win the game. So, um, you know, it's just a bad situation. And, look, we don't see this often. It, it, it's, it's, it's funky. It was like your music early. And uh, we just have to just move from it. And, uh you know, both those guys are good coaches. Uh, they'll they'll do a great job and stay out of that situation again. No, nobody wants to see that. And also, look, players. I don't know if you know this. Players don't want to fight. Nobody really wants to fight. Everybody <laughs> wants. Everybody well, wants. Thanks for telling me that now. Like I mean, you seem fight. like you were always in something. <laughs> no, you just have to look. You just have to act like you want to fight, and that's it. That's it. But, 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 you know, when guys square off, they want somebody to jump in there. They, they, nobody wants to get to that situation. So, and B's right. Somebody should have just jumped in there. There should be no blows. Um, yeah. I mean, you got you to gotta, you gotta jump in there. That's, that's what they got, I mean, if, I mean, I can vividly recall whenever you got in these little altercations, you know, Bill was just grabbing, grabbing me and say, "Get out of here! What are you doing? We got a game to play." You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? That's somebody. how it. That's how it always worked. You know what I mean? But that. But when you're, it was just like you know. I'm not saying whatever happened happened. I was just observing. But it was like, there's rules to this, right? And um, you know, I think the big fella's right. No one really wants to go down that path. But you, you learn how to help each other when things get to that place, and you say, "Hey, come on, let's let's." Let's keep this train moving. Mm-hmm. 
We got the pair of Chicago Bull teammates, BJ Armstrong, Big Bill Cartwright, uh, joining us. We started out is talking about uh, some music and everything. Now we're sharing some stories and giving some thoughts here regarding what we saw with Juwan Howard, Greg Gard, the University of of Michigan in Wisconsin, and that uh, situation again. The uh, the fines came out to forty thousand dollars for Juwan Howard, ten thousand for Greg Gard, but Juwan Howard missing five games here to uh, to close the regular season. You know the same thing. Well, to a certain degree, happened last year in the Big Ten tournament when uh, Juwan Howard got an altercation with Mark Turgeon, the then head coach of the University of Maryland. But nothing was done with this, and and that wasn't at the end of the game. There's like ten minutes to go in the second half during a timeout. But he didn't get a slap on the wrist. There was a lot of repercussions saying, hey, how come nothing happened here? So we knew that this suspension was going to come down you know, like this. Uh, I think we're all glad that we did not see him lose his job. That was good because, as you both guys say, that you know, Jawan Howard is an upstanding guy. You know, he's there to battle for you know for his team and his kids and that sort of thing, and that's good. But the five games, uh, he will be back if Michigan does make the tournament. They're going to need to to win some more games here. But do each of you guys think that the punishment was was just? Be um, Yeah, yeah. I, I, listen. I, I think they had to set the standard because, again, I think the following. Whenever there's a physical, you know, what happened with Juwan, whatever you want to call it, uh, um, you know, whatever, whatever happened there, you, can't, you cannot have that. No one is advocating that type of behavior, especially in the position he's in. So I think from that standpoint, it was warranted. It was... They had to do what they had to do because you can't allow that to happen. Whatever happened, whether it was a backstory, whatever it is, and I think Juwan understood that. I think he accepted that, and I think all of the people who have been in those situations, whether you're a player or a coach, you understand. You just can't do that, right? Now, let's move forward with it because I again. You know, I don't know the coach of Wisconsin at all. I don't know him at all. I've heard great things about him. Obviously, he's a really good coach. But I know Juwan, and I know he's a great guy, and I know that. And it was an unfortunate situation. And like I said, I just hope that they all can move on. We can learn from that. But you cannot have people or coaches, leadership, doing that, what we just saw, right? If anything here – we are here to help these young people and try to set an example for them. And I think the way it was handled, I think what was said, especially from the University of Michigan, from Juwan Howard, I thought he owned it. He claimed it. He said that it will never happen again. His words, and I, and I, and I believe it, and we move on. So I think it was, it was just something that happened. It was unfortunate we had to see it. But, hey, you know, things happen, and, uh, you know, and, and hopefully – you know, they can continue to coach and do their things, and I'm sure they will do those things. So, um, but it was an unfortunate situation. Bill, five games, uh, appropriate, not enough, too much? No, I think it's fine for all those things that BJ said. Look, you know, you're, you're a head coach. You're, you're, you're the leader of the team. You're, you're representing the school. You set an example for, for all college players, all young players. Uh, you, you, you represent your family to hold yourself at an extraordinarily high standard. Um, all of that is, 
is, is, is a really huge job. So, uh, yeah. And look, everybody's already acknowledged that, you know, it was, a, it was a mistake. It's out of character and that's not who he is. And I agree with the fact that you have moments at times where you can make a mistake. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the big thing is that just the physical part. I don't think anybody cares if you're bantering back and forth, even though that's not, uh, that's not really allowed, at least not nowadays, where you can get a banner back and forth to get people going. But um, for sure, you cannot touch anybody. So, yeah, five games is, five games is, is fine. A final thing on this, guys, and it's not just this situation. It's just kind of in general situation here, and especially, like, say, from a coach's standpoint. Um, have we become too sensitive uh, in a sports society here where we see coaches get upset? And let's remember why Juwan Howard was upset here, because Wisconsin was up by 15 points at this point in time, and Greg Gard took a timeout because he claims he had his reserves and a couple walk-ons on, and they were getting pressed, and he didn't want to put those guys in that situation. Jawan Howard's upset because you took a timeout. The game is already decided. You don't need to do that. We've seen this, too, where people get upset with teams that you know will shoot a late three or were not will not dribble out the clock at the end of the game, and then that has started skirmishes. Do you believe that we should just say you you play hard to the whistle, whether a team is pressing or not or whatever, or is it just inappropriate to to take a, a last second shot instead of dribbling the clock out? What are your thoughts on that, BJ? Go ahead first. Well, I I think the following: um, when you are around a team like Bill and I were for so many years together, you began to get a feel for people. And if I sent playing with Bill, he was upset that day and something may have happened in practice. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had enough people skills to know that might not have been the right time to discuss. Okay? There's just a sense that you have. And, and vice versa. Like, you know, like, you know, if Bill gets elbowed by player X, Bill doesn't want to hear I'm sorry in that moment. <laughs> Maybe a week or so or whatever after the game, hey, man, my bad, or whatever the case may have been. And the thing that was just amazing to me is, like, whatever happened in that game or whatever, look, that was a conversation. Maybe that's a week down the road that those coaches would have to get together on a call to say, hey, my bad, I shouldn't have called a timeout, or my bad, I shouldn't have. Pre-. It, I don't know what the case was, but whatever it was, it wasn't the time to address that immediately following the game. And when you're in the locker room, you get a feel. Like, you get a feel for what's going on. You get a feel from the individuals. You get a feel from the team. And it just seemed to me that it was just done all wrong. It was like no one had a feel for the people that were coaching the games. You know, okay, he's the head coach, but he's still a person. He's still, you know, there's you know people behind those uniforms. So, to me, it was just – you know, it, it, it was just misread on a lot of different levels because I'm saying, okay, whatever happened, happened, and we can talk about it later. We can talk about it next summer. We can talk about it whenever. But I would have loved to have seen those gentlemen, talking about those two head coaches, address that situation when the emotions weren't as high. There was no explanation needed, right? If, if Bill elbows me in the head, 
there's no explanation needed. It happened, and if I thought he did it intentionally and Bill said I didn't do it intentionally, maybe a week later I can come to the conclusion to see it from his perspective and vice versa. But at, at that moment, I don't want to hear anything, you know? So I get it. It was just, again, it was just, you know, I've probably been in too many of these now where it's just like, okay, things are going to happen. Guys are going to get hit. There's going to be a misinterpretation, and whatever that coach was doing, the timeout and the other said he was, wasn't pressing, to me it's just, okay, but let's talk about it and we can apologize or we can explain ourselves when the emotions aren't as high or heightened till they were after the game. Bill, what about the unwritten rules that we're talking about here about, you know, taking a timeout or, you know, uh, scoring at the end of a game or whatever, that sort of thing? I mean, how upset do coaches and players, you know, get, you know, in reality here? And, and, and are these unwritten rules stuff that, you know, hey, we should follow or throw out the window? Uh, that's something that's going on right now. And, DZ, as you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yep. If, uh, if I'm a coach and I'm trying to get my team right and I call a timeout, I don't care if there's a second left. I'm trying to do it in the betterment of my team to get it better. Uh, if you're getting beat by 20 and I'm pressing you, you don't like it, too bad. I can care less. If I'm beating you by 50 and I'm pressing, I don't care. Uh, that's more old school. Nowadays, you're looking at people, teams are a little more sensitive. Um you know, as you know, Bill Russell's quote is that you have an obligation as a team to beat your opponent as bad as you can beat them. And I, I still believe that. So, I, just, I just think if a coach is talking about, yeah, you ran up to score, I would tell him, hey, coach, play better. There you go, right? Coach, be better. That's not, that's not my problem. I'm trying to get my team right. So uh, I'm not sensitive to uh, – to the fact that running the score up, not running the score up, you just try to get your team better. You want to win as many games as possible, and you want to have your players have an opportunity to play. What am I going to tell my guys? They don't play hard. Don't don't try to do well. They don't get a chance to play that often. So um, that's who I am. And, and B is right. These guys, obviously, they don't know each other very well. <laughs> um, so there's there's the intent. They wouldn't know me. My intent is to kill you, which is which is my job. I job not to make it easier for you. Play. Is that my job? Play better, coach. Coach better. Hey, BJ, how 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 would that be with a uh, big Bill on one sideline, Juwan on the other sideline, or if they just got back on the court again against each other? Huh? That's well, look, I, I, look, I, I, look at that we'd see there, huh? You know, it, 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 it's so great to hear Bill because Bill was like, you know, I, I can still hear the big fella saying, hey, you can shoot all the jump shots you want. Just don't bring that in the paint. Right. <laughs> it's refreshing <laughs> is what it is because we don't hear that anymore. You know, Coach, and, everything, and, and, everybody is soft, you know. And when the big fella, you know, every, you know, you know, the big fella was always great. He always had a smile. He would hit you with a smile on his face. And you just know it, right? <laughs> But every now and then, you knew when the big fella didn't have that smile before he hit you, you didn't play around that day. And everybody stayed out of the lane, okay? And that's just what it is. It was just like you, it's almost like they didn't understand or the coach didn't understand, you know, how to read the people or read the situation. Like, whatever happened, happened. Look, whatever. 
happened, happened. But at the same time, how did it get to that point? It's like, it was like, wow. It, it just didn't make sense to me at all. All right. We appreciate uh, both of you guys. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, B.J. Armstrong joined us today, and uh, the former teammates. Uh, the, oh, man, the, this is great. The, I haven't spoke to Bill this long in, like, forever. I need right? this conversation. Can we get this, like, once a week? I need this. <laughs> there, here, here's the intro, guys, right here. There it is. There's your intro right there. It's an intro. You're closing. It's a show. There it is. Hey. Boom. I just want to say this. It puts some fuck behind that. that. Was that a mistake with your musical choice? Was that a mistake? (laughs) I'm willing to forgive you if you say that was a mistake. Bill, he's he's asking if Chubby Checker's a mistake. Now's your chance, man. You want to kill him? You want to kill him right now? Look, look that's, see, that's just what we're talking about. You don't know Chubby. Now, you got to get with him, go to a show, turn up some records, get get close to him, and then you'll know. Okay. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. You know, I just want to make sure. All right. Big fella's always right. That's what I always say. Big fella's always right. <laughs> BJ has no problem of getting the rock down into the low post to the big fella. <laughs> yeah, B, B, B knows he's, he's getting it back. That's why. That's right, right? <laughs> draw him in. Draw the double team in to number 24 and kick it out to the guard. There it is. Chubby, it is. I am a Chubby Checkers fan now because of this conversation. That's all we did. All right, guys. Hey, great as always. You know, I appreciate both of you guys always being part of the show individually and as a tag team as well, too. So we'll definitely have to do this again. So uh, what we have to do, BJ, we've got to get you to Vegas when the seven-footer's in Vegas and we can reconvene this in purpose, in person. Now, I'm telling you, I don't know where. Whenever that happens, you let me know. I'm telling you right now. I would love to do that. I'm telling you when it's going to happen right now. It's going to be happening the first two weeks of March here, my friend. So the seven-footer's going to be here with me. Doing uh, doing some shows, doing some play by play with me, and uh, we'll be eating really well too. So we got the open invitation oh, uh, for you, brother. Well, I, that's the one thing I know. The big fella has always had food. He is a foodie, foodie, and so uh, I'm in. Count me in. Okay. All right, man. All right, guys. Appreciate you. Take care. All right, be good. All right, yep. guys. There you the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, and B.J. Armstrong, the former teammates of the Chicago Bulls, the world champion Chicago Bulls. Three times over with those guys. When we come back, a little bit more of a terrible Tuesday to close you out on this day. Yep. Hey, this is Steve Heitner, and lucky you, you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Uh, that's gold, baby, gold. Don't forget, you can catch the show live each and every Friday at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. This Friday, uh, we'll be out of town. I'll actually be braving the wintry conditions in Green Bay, Wisconsin on Friday. But the good news is, as I got my five-day weather forecast, it will not be like today and tomorrow in Green Bay. Today, snowstorm happening through tomorrow. About nine inches of snow expected. Temperatures... Around 11, 12 degrees. There we go. And when I'm there, it's going to go up to 
34 degrees on Saturday, so I'll, I'll be happy about that with a low of nine. Is the partner able to be back home yet? Do we know this? Has Gilby gotten back home? It's a good question. Uh, the G-Man was back in Wisconsin last weekend snowmobiling, and we yeah. saw that, and he was stuck in Minneapolis last night because I know he was texting both of us. So, yeah, I don't know because uh, both Minneapolis and Green Bay are really uh, taking a lot of snow the last few days. And I think you know it's working its way back that way. I think that's why I think Minneapolis is probably okay today, but Green Bay's getting hit hard today and tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Uh, hopefully I don't get stuck back there, my friend. So then, you know, I know you, you like it when I'm gone, but, you know. <laughs> please, 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 please. Hey, you're getting, you're getting a day off on Friday, okay? We're going to be doing the best of. And why do I have the feeling we're doing the best of show on Friday? I got a feeling that that last segment with Bill Cartwright and B.J. Armstrong will be on the best of. I got this feeling. Oh, it's going to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good stuff. I appreciate those guys. Uh, again, having B.J. on uh, today, uh, always fun. We have him all, a lot uh, during the basketball season. And then, uh, yeah, start talking music, start talking about the seven-footer. Okay, let's get him on as well, too. So, so good stuff. If you miss any part of that, uh, that will be up on the website a little bit later on here uh, today, too, probably under the featured interview segment. All right. All right. Uh, so, terrible Tuesday. We hit most of our stories in the first segment, but I did want to touch on one more thing here. And that was the NBA All-Star Weekend. As I mentioned yesterday, I was totally fine with the game. I think the only reason I was fine with the game is because Steph Curry was in the game. Most people know I'm not a big LeBron James fan. Respect his talent and everything, but just I don't appreciate a lot of his off-the-court stuff and antics and, you know, he's gone about certain aspects of his career. Um... But with Steph Curry, I'm a fan. And I always defend Steph Curry, saying that he's the most gifted player that we have in the NBA right now, that he's the greatest shooter of all time that we've ever seen. And that's a statement, because I really appreciate the older players that came way before these guys. And it just seems modern-day media right now just loves to appreciate the recent more than the past. And that was shown with the top 75 players of the NBA honored at the All-Star Game last Sunday in Cleveland with a lot of guys that are still actually currently playing or just recently retired as part of the top 75. And I think more homage should be paid to those people that maybe people in their 30s or 40s didn't get a chance to see play. But you gotta, you know, you gotta know your history about the NBA, professional basketball, and you appreciate the guys like Bob Pettit and Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell and even guys before them. You know, so it depends how old you are, your age bracket, and that sort of thing of what you remember. Because most people want to remember what they saw. As teenagers, because at that age, you can recall some pretty vivid memories. But when you were five, six, seven, you usually don't have that. And if you never saw anybody play before, you have no idea. So for a lot of people who never saw Earl the Pearl Monroe play or Pete Maravich or Walt Frazier, you can't really have an appreciation if you never saw them play or if you never saw 
documentaries or highlight packages or that sort of thing. Because that's where you have to get the appreciation. And I think that the younger generation doesn't, you know, I don't want to sound like the old guy get off my lawn, but this is a thing where, you know, I'm big into Hall of Fames, as everyone knows. And that if you're going to have an honor, you're going to honor whatever the number is. And the NBA did 75 years, so let's honor the top 75 players. Then it's got to go back to year one all the way to 75. And really not put anybody in this class that's playing in year 71, 2, 3, 4, 5. Okay? You've got to appreciate the past. And I think they did a good job with that. The game I enjoyed, and I loved what Steph Curry did, scoring his 50 points. Wish he would have gotten one more bucket and either tied the record or broke the record of Anthony Davis a couple years ago. But what was bad was the slam dunk contest. It was underwhelming, it's embarrassing, and it seems like every Tuesday after the All-Star Game in recent years, we're having this exact same conversation. Your competitors in the All-Star Game last Saturday night, Cole Anthony of the Orlando Magic, Jalen Green of the Houston Rockets, Obi Toppin from the New York Knicks, Juan Toscano-Anderson from the Golden State Warriors. That was your group. And this is where the problem lies. This field has no star players, no all-stars, no pristine dunkers. And this is what you look forward to seeing in an all-star weekend. This is the all-star weekend. All-stars. You want to see all-stars participate, and you want to see the best of the best. In the game, there's no issue. Unless they're injured, they're playing. But with a slam dunk, eh. Guys pass on it. Who's there? The younger guys. And the younger guys don't have an appreciation for the past. And this used to be a marquee event. Do you know the first all-star game, the slam dunk contest, was in 1984? And it was pretty ingenious at the time because you're coming out of the era of the 70s, the late 70s with Dr. J into the 80s with Darnell Hillman and Julius Irving and guys like that. Just were phenomenal athletes, phenomenal dunkers that were creative as can be. And the NBA took advantage of that. The three-point shot came into existence in 1979. And then the NBA incorporated that contest later on. And these were marquee events. But you know where the All-Star game started going wrong? I want to say somewhere around where it really went wrong, I want to say probably 2001. That's where I'm going to say that it went wrong. You had more missed dunks, think about this, in this contest Saturday night than makes. Jalen Green missed 10 shots. How do you miss 10 slam dunks? Again, this thing is flawed. The rules are ridiculous. There's too many rounds. You don't have the creativity. There's too much time in between shots. They don't penalize you for missing shots. You get too many do-overs, too many mulligans. No, it's not good. And it can still be good if you'd restructure it and make a shorter event. You don't need to string this thing out 45 minutes to an hour. It's dead. It's horrific. It's terrible to watch. And people are getting tired of it. And it's going to go by the wayside of these other all-star game festivities. Because it's done. 
And the game itself is garbage, too, because you got two captains picking teams. And, again, I would, probably wouldn't even watch it wasn't for Steph Curry to see his greatness. But back to the slam dunk contest. 1984, Larry Nance won it with the Phoenix Suns. I'm going to read you off the winners of the slam dunk contest from 1984 to present time. Larry Nance, Dominique Wilkins, Spud Webb, Michael Jordan twice, Kenny Skywalker, Dominique Wilkins wins again. That took you up to 1990. Those were the dominant players and the dominant all-stars and great dunkers. And they displayed it. And people that got a chance to see that, wow. That's all I got to say. And if you never got a chance to see it, wow. And I'll throw my buddy, my friend, Darnell Hillman, who actually won the very first slam dunk contest in the ABA before that. Then you got to D. Brown. And he was the first smaller guy. Well, you had Spud Webb, and that was, that was intriguing. Cedric Sabalos in 92. Harold Miner out of USC, played with the Heat. J.R. Ryder from UNLV, when the Timberwolves won it, with the between-the-leg dunk. Outstanding. So it was still great. Harold Miner wins it again in 95. I mean, you had multiple winners. These guys kept coming back for more. Brent Berry, that was intriguing. for Probably one of the obvious reasons. All right. But he was the first white guy to win a slam dunk contest, right? Kobe Bryant wins it in 1997. Vince Carter. How about that? That was some showtime there in 2000. And then it really went away where the superstars said, we're done. Jason Richardson, Fred Jones, Josh Smith, Nate Robinson, Gerald Green, Dwight Howard. Come on, really? Nate Robinson a couple times, Blake Griffin, Jeremy Evans, Terrence Ross, 2014 John Wall, Zach Levine in 15 and 16, Glenn Robinson the third in 17, Donovan Mitchell in 18, Hamadou Diallo of the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2019, Derek Jones Jr. played one year at UNLV for the Heat, uh, won it in 2020, Anthony Simmons, not Anthony Hardaway, Anthony Simmons from the Trailblazers last year, and then this year, you've got Obi Toppin. Really? Just listen to those names. And that tells you where the slam dunk contest has gone. It's been bad. And yes, if they don't restructure it and get the better players to participate, just abolish it. That's what you got to do. You got some terrible Tuesday takes. Hit me on Twitter, as you always do, at TCMartin21. I want to thank BJ Armstrong for joining us today. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright. We did a little tag team with the former Chicago Bulls teammates, the three-time champions as players themselves. That was great. And, uh, of course, Paul Buck Power Stewart from across the pond in England, the uh, American-British broadcaster, I should say the British broadcaster, who uh, broadcasts the, the NFL games in Europe. Appreciate him, as always. And he's got a great website. He covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for 20-plus years there at buckpower.com. I want to thank Numchuck, of course. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Have yourself a good one. And tomorrow we talk about UNLV, UNR. That game taking place tonight, 8 o'clock, CBS Sports Network. It's on the road in Reno. We'll recap that tomorrow and a whole lot more coming your way on the show. Have yourself a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 2.